The Longbox Crusade presents G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. Welcome to G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Do Years. I'm one of your commanders, Pat Sampson, codenamed DJ Christados. And joining me as always is my battle buddy in this operation, Jared Albrick, codenamed Death Probe. At ease, DJ Christados. Uniform's looking sharp today, by the way, buddy. Thank you. I just had it pressed. I can tell. Yeah. Can yeah. Tell. Jason lost a bet, so I said, hey, Bravo team. <laughs> Press the uniform. Uh, yep, yep. Got a show tonight. Hey, you know anything about Romeo Team? Romeo, I've heard a little bit about that. Romeo Team said they were interested in being on the show. Mm. Well, we have to see. All right. Anyway, I want to address all the green shirts who's tuning in for this podcast. I want to welcome everybody to Fort Longbox. We appreciate you tuning in to talk some post-2000 G.I. Joe comics with us as we chronicle our way through the Devil's Do Run. On this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, DJ Cristalos and I are going to rotate in a special ops guest to the show. For this episode, our special ops guest is first-time podcaster and first-time G.I. Joe comic reader and Crusaders Club member. It is Sean Urbanski, codename Sooner. Welcome to Fort Longbox, Sean. Thank you, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be on, and I really appreciate the invitation and, uh, and a chance to participate, especially since I'm a, a novice here when it comes to G.I. Joe. Man. I'll say it again, folks. He, this is the first issue of Joe. Joe. He's red. You see the air quotes? And I, he's red. <laughs> is well, he never didn't read any words? <laughs> yeah. That makes it kind of special, though, that we were ones that have gotten him into reading this, I think. I know. I, mean, I know. I'm happy about it. We could it. say that, right, Sean? Yep. Yeah, okay, absolutely. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> well, normally, this is the part where we debrief our new recruits and we ask you for your origin story with G.I. Joe. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, you know, I do have an origin story. I, you know, as I was telling Pat earlier, I'm 52. So I was kind of in that age group where I was out of cartoons and toys when the uh, Real American Hero cartoon and the new toys, the action figures came out. And I grew up on the 12 inch G.I. Joe. So oh, I had, okay. the, you know, the G.I. Joe with the eagle eyes, you know, the thing in the back of his head, you twitch it and his eyes move left to right. You know, Kung Fu grip, the Foot Locker with all the weapons. You know, there's probably still hand grenades all. Yeah, Joe, hand grenades all over the the old house I grew up in. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I grew up with those guys. I went through that period of where there was kind of the, the GI Joe. You might call it the GI Joe, the dry years or the lean years, where they seemed to stop making them and they kind of completely disappeared. Fortunately, then Star Wars came around and I jumped into those. And then, like I'd said, I was. Um, you know, into high school, had just started high school probably about when when the cartoon came out. I remember my brothers, my younger brothers watching it and they had the figures and that. Okay. And I just remember the cartoons. And I just remember one thing. It's kind of funny with Cobra. I remember seeing a, a cartoon and I was thinking, you know, what's all this Cobra stuff? Shouldn't G.I. Joe be fighting the Soviets? But as it turns out, <laughs> Cobra outlasted the Soviet Union by what? Several decades. So it's a good call on their part. <laughs> well, good observation and well played, Sean. Well, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> Okay, we normally ask what your three favorite characters are from G.I. Joe. So did you have three you kind of noticed back in the day? Did you have three you want to pull from the book? Do you want to talk more about your three favorites from the 60s and 70s line? What approach do you want to take, Sean? 
Yeah, you know, I'm going to go with three from the book. Okay. You know, since I read, since in uh, obviously I'm going to go with Snake Eyes. Can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. Nope. And in Storm Shadow. Can't go wrong. And then, you know, I was I was kind of tempted. I really like Kamakura. Did I pronounce that right? Very nice. You know, the guy, guy nice. looks, he's got almost like, looks he dressed up like a hockey goalie with the pads. <laughs> I would put him third, although I was tempted to go with a guy who I didn't know who was named. Maybe we'll get into it later. But in the summary, I kind of figured out which group he was with. But one of the guys, he looks like a, a mishmash of um, road warriors and maybe the village people. Oh, Sounds like a dreadnought to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know which which name it was. He didn't mention it in the issue, but you know, he he would have been a, a contender for fourth just because he was such an odd looking character. <laughs> was he cool. like one of the thuggy thug guides that were yep, kind of waiting yep. outside? Okay, mustache chains around his neck. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, you know that. We're just going to start talking about it now, Pat. That leads me to a question: Did you recognize those dreadnoughts? Or were those random dreadnoughts? Because I thought they were random. I was like, I, I think they were random guys. And okay, they might have been from whoever showed up with Commander. Yeah. Okay. I didn't think they were the like name episode. brand dreadnoughts. Either, yeah. So, so Sean, you're not wrong for not knowing his name because none of us know what his name is. <laughs> Let's go with Hall. His name was All right. Paul. All right. Well, cool. That's excellent. At this point, I will turn it back to DJ Cristados for this episode's intelligence report. All right, Jared, I am glad you asked. Let's go ahead and get into that intelligent report. So for this mission, we will be covering G.I. Joe number 21 from Devil's Due. It was published under Image. Got a cover date of August 2003, but it's on sale date was August 27, 2003, just two weeks after last issue. Back on schedule. Wow. That's amazing that they were able to uh, push this one out. So they must have been able to, you know, work these things in tandem there to get this pushed out and back on schedule, like you said. So good on you. Mm-hmm. I can definitely tell you how they did that, but I'll let you proceed and we'll discuss that. Sounds good. All right. So the writer is Josh Blaylock. Penciler is Mike Zick. It's a fan favorite, Sean. Yes. You didn't know. <laughs> well, he started all the way back in the eighties, so he's we love Mike Zeck around these parts and yes, we love him better when he has the right anchor, don't we? Yeah. And, and speaking of the right anchor, none other than friend of the show, John Beatty. I feel like I'm Buck Rogers. (laughs) 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 Colorist is Hi-Fi Color Design and letterer is Dreamer Designs. Cover art goes to the first cover was Mike Zeck. And then the alternate cover is J. Scott Campbell. Mm -mm, Good. Also on the back cover, we have David Michael Beck. Two drawing pencils and a microphone. That's got Kamakura Kamakura on it. Yep, Not too shabby on that one. Mm -mm. And speaking about the cover, let's go ahead and get a cover description from Death Probe. All right. It's two for one special tonight, boys. Let's start with the primary cover. The image eye is highlighted in white as it blends in with its orange background. The cover price is $2.95. I'm about to say that twice, by the way. Just put a pin in that. <laughs> the main action is by Mike Zack. It is a high-energy John Woo-influenced image of Snake Eyes and Billy fighting side by side. Snake Eyes is wielding a katana and a large knife, while Billy is holding a 45 automatic. 
Note that this is part two of a two-part cover that carries over from last issue of 20. You can butt those two together and make one image. Now let's go to the alternate cover because two covers were released for this issue. This is actually the one that I have. It's the alternate cover. And on this one, the image eye is highlighted in white as it blends in with its orange background. The cover price is $2.95. I told you to be back. The main action has snake eyes from behind in the foreground as Storm Shadow, more centered on the cover, is leaping at him, ready to strike an overhand blow with his katana. In the background, Cobra Commander has taken Billy hostage, but Kamakura is creeping up behind them. All right. Nicely done on those cover descriptions. Let's go ahead and find out what you guys think of the cover. And we'll start with our guest, Sean. As Jared mentioned, maybe I, I have the uh, the primary cover, not the alternate one. Okay. I'm kind of biased towards I prefer covers that either provide a you know a fair amount of context, even if it isn't necessarily 100% accurate to what happens in the story, but gives some context, mm-hmm. or ones that maybe have a lot of detail in terms of the background. This is kind of the opposite of it, you know? So I was kind of a little disappointed in it, maybe, I guess you would say, because yeah, of those biases I have. I really like the detail in the drawing of the snake eyes and Billy, you know, the details of the weapons and the clothing and kind of the form, you know, and uh, snake eyes has muscles that I didn't even know existed. (laughs) And then all the debris flying by them, you know, it looks like it's really detailed. You know, it looks like, you know, a lot of attention was put into the, you know, drawing every little nut and bolt and screw that's flying by them. So, you know, I really enjoyed that part. So that was kind of mine. I looked online at the cover that Jared has, and I, I much prefer that one. That's kind of the cover I, I like. You know, it gives you some sure. more context, and I like the nice background. It's kind of dark and foreboding. That's how I felt about the covers. Okay. Jared, what's your thoughts on the covers? As I mentioned on last episode, knowing that issue 20 and 21 butt together to make a two-part cool. cover yeah. is cool. But I also mentioned on last episode that I think the cover to 20 – is a little better than the one to 21. Mm-hmm. I don't know. A lot of artists draw from top, especially if you're right-handed, draw from top left to bottom right so you don't drag your hand through what oh, you've drawn. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is maybe if Zek's right-handed, he started out, and he just got a little tired as he got <laughs> to the bottom right. Uh, okay, obviously it's Zek, so obviously it's cool. It's a cool image of Billy and Snake Eyes fighting side by side. No doubt about it. But again, I like 20 just a skosh better than 21, and I get where Sean's coming from. And I, I'm glad we have Sean with sort of a new eye and a new yeah. perspective. Cause you know, both you and I are like, it's Zach. How dare you say anything wrong with him? But everything he says is legit. I think he had good high points, but I will also agree with him having the alternate cover. I like the alternate cover that J Scott Campbell did to 21 a little better. Unless you take into the fact that 20 and 21 make one cover. I mean, so yeah, it's like it's a tough it's like a coin flip. Like, I'd love to mm-hmm. have 20 and 21 to make the full picture because mm-hmm. that's awesome. But like artistically, yeah. this drawing that J. Scott Campbell did of like Storm Shadow just leaping into battle, Snake yeah. Eyes on the defensive, Billy and the commander and Kamakura, like he told the story of this issue in one glorious shot with great background work, like Sean mm-hmm. mentioned. So, and, the, and the coloring in it is, I think, really sharp as well, too. Absolutely. Both are great. I like 20 and 21 as a two-parter, but yes. as a standalone, I like 21 alternate. I'm going to agree with you on there. I like 20 and 21 together. I like that. I like the orange, the yellow to orange on 21. 
the Zek one. I like it because it reminds me of the cards where you have that little, you know, fire blast or whatever. Of It goes from right, like right yellow on, the, to, on the action figure. On the, the action cards. figure cards, gotcha. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's what that kind of reminds me of. I track you. So the kind of see, I could see these poses on that coming out at you like that. But I just think I, the color of 21 alternate that Campbell did is just, it's really popping to me. Oh, yeah. And I like that a lot. So both really great covers, I would have to say. So why don't we find out how we're going to rate this? And I this is going to be a tough one because are we rating it on each one separately or how do you want to do that? I would say let's get our thoughts on each one separately. Yeah. Let's okay. let's find out, you know, from Sean, primary versus uh, what would he score? Primary versus what would he score alternate. Okay. Let's go ahead and do it that way then. So with that, Sean, uh, we do a scale of one to 10 flag points, one meaning you didn't like it at all, and 10 meaning it's a perfect and you should make it a recruiting poster out of it. So we'll go with the primary cover of Zek, one to 10 on that. I'm, I'm going to go with a six on the primary cover mm-hmm. and an eight on the um, alternate cover. Eight on the alternate, okay. Yeah, a lot of detail in, in the primary cover, but... It's just really not my thing, and I really, really like the alternate cover, so I'm kind of jealous that I, I wasn't able to find that one. <laughs> Jared, what's your thoughts? As I was telling you guys before we started recording, I have the one in my hardbound book because I'm fancy. I'm so fancy, you already know. And it's alternate. And I have a stack of loose issues with all my doubles, so I went to find my 21 in that stack, and it's also the alternate. So I'm jealous of Sean because he's got a Zek cover that I don't have. <laughs> Maybe you guys can what, swap. Yeah, we got to swap. There you go. Um, but to score them, I would say the Zek cover I like to the tune of a 8. There's probably some Zek homerism in there. <laughs> yeah. no, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to play my card, too. I like it as an 8. I think... We have that nostalgic feel for Zek mm-hmm. you know, from the Real American Hero run. So mm-hmm. anytime I see that and, and get to see covers that I would just drool over as a kid, and now you get to see them playing again with the toys, that's that nostalgia feel for me. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to get a bump. Mm-hmm. I mean, plus, I mean, you can reveal some of your fanciness. You got to spend a little time with the Mike Zek himself, yes. Heroes mm-hmm. Con. So, you know, once yeah. he's a personal yeah. friend, you know. Yeah. Zek and yeah. Beatty. Yep. Moving over to the Campbell cover, Pat, brace yourself. It's a 10 for me. Yo, Joe! I'd make a poster out of that all day. I'd hang that poster on my wall. That's a 10. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you right there, too. i put this, if I had a dojo, this would be my recruiting poster <laughs> yes. for the dojo. Mm-hmm. Pat's Dojo Emporium. Where you can get all the uh, high karate you can get. <laughs> short shorts and short swim shorts caps and, and self-defense training. <laughs> Everything, all of everything, spot. yeah. It's everything we would sell normally on Mongo and everywhere else that we sell stuff. Uh, you can just come to Pet's High Karate Emporium and Dojo. So. And Dojo. Yep. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, with the cover out of the way, let's go ahead and get back to Death Probe for the story synopsis in our mission brief. On G.I. Joe Chronicles, we like to mix things up a bit. I'm going to have DJ Cristados poll the randomizer to determine the synopsis point of view. Will I tell it from Joe's point of view or Cobra's point of view? Let's find out. Cristados, pull the lever. The lever has chosen Cobra. All right, here we go. Cobra, 
as an aside, this is a silent issue. Much like 21 from the original G.I. Joe run of the 80s was a silent issue. They homage that for this run, and it is a silent issue. And the irony there is, this is probably the longest synopsis I've ever, <laughs> ever written on the show. <laughs> but here we go. This picks up right after our beloved leader, Cobra Commander, shot Billy at the end of last issue. Snake Eyes made short work of the Crimson Guardsmen that were accompanying the commander, and just as he was about to kill Cobra Commander, Storm Shadow stepped in to defend him. So the mind control looks like it's still holding. Storm Shadow and the commander began their escape as Kamakura attended to the wounded Billy. Ninja Brothers, Storm Shadow, and Snake Eyes continue their battle upstairs in the arcade, where Snake Eyes got the upper hand and began using some ninja magic to release Storm Shadow from his mind control, but a pair of our dreadnoughts took advantage of Snake Eyes' concentration and knocked him out. As Kamakura pursued Cobra Commander, Snake Eyes was nearly killed by the Dreadnoughts, only to be saved by Storm Shadow. Looks like Snake Eyes was able to reach his ninja brother. Snake Eyes assisted Kamakura outside in capturing Cobra Commander, and was about to kill our leader again, when the commander was defended again by Storm Shadow. The brothers faced off, decided they were tired of fighting one another, and went their separate ways, each tending to their wounded. So the question remains, is Storm Shadow still mind-controlled? Is he his own man, or is it sort of an on-again, off-again mind control? Who knows? Let's get into our highs and lows of the issue. All right. So we're going to do two rounds of highs and lows. And, of course, Pat's going to unload everything he's got in the mysterious Pat third round. But our guest gets to go first. So if you had to pick just one thing, Sean, a high or a low, this is your first G.I. Joe issue. What's the first thing that leaps out at you? Was it a good thing or a bad thing? A good thing. It was the, the opening sequence. They give that little intro on the inside of the front cover. It kind of tells you what happened in the previous issue. And then that, that first splash page, it just flows right from that. And I felt like I knew exactly what was going on and who all the characters were. There's a Cobra commander standing there with the smoking gun. And then you, you turn that page and it's like in one move, you have snake eyes. You know what is he does? Like, Dodge is getting shot, slices the barrels off the gun, comes in the fall <laughs> and, and skewers the, the Cobra regulars. And then kicks a gun out of Cobra Commander's hand. And that looks like that's probably all like one smooth move yes, in a half second. Yes. And that really got me. Right yeah. away, I was like, okay, this is why everyone likes Snake Eyes. Because it's really <laughs> bad. Yes. And, uh, and yeah, so that really set the tone for me. You know, and it just flows from there. That whole opening sequence right up till they get out of the arcade was great. You know, and no words were needed at all for me. It was great. What I love about this immediately, Pat, is this is his first comic. Yeah. His first Joe comic. And within panels, like he said, he already knows everything there is to know about Snake Eyes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, uh, this might come as news to you, Sean. Snake Eyes as a character is mute anyway. He never says anything. Uh, the fact that everybody else is uh, silent in this issue, like says an homage to 21, but Snake Eyes never speaks. I didn't know so, that. <laughs> so, yeah, he took some damage uh, when he to was younger yep. in his throat and his face and he can't speak, uh, which makes him even cooler somehow. You know, he's just that mm -hmm. stealthy ninja guy. But enough of that exposition, Pat. High or low in round one? Uh, well, well let's just let me ask you: How many highs are you going to do? Uh, you know, I got a few, but but I got to tell you this first off, Jared. I didn't read this. Oh, you just looked at the pictures, didn't you? Yes, I just looked at it. So the joke. So it's my, it landed. Yes, yes. <laughs> I had to get there before you did. Yeah, well done, sir. So. Well done. <laughs> I've been stewing on that one for quite a long time. <laughs> All week long. He's like, I'm going to do the didn't read a joke. going to do the didn't read a joke. <laughs> but, oh, man. 
I forgot to look ahead when we read issue 20. So I wasn't really thinking about Silent Issue again or anything. And then when I read it today for going, I was like, oh, 20. And then like, oh, then I put 21 and I went, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, goody, goody, goody. Because I really didn't have much time to read it. So it went pretty quickly. So <laughs> Good. No, no, I'm just kidding. I was just like, oh, cool that they would actually do that homage to 21 to make it where 21 in the Marvel was, hey, we got to put something out. Let's just do, you know, let's do this. And, you know, you know, the story behind that of getting the silent issue, how it came about was interesting. But now this one is being planned because of that. And just the buildup with issue 20, which did have the words in it. But to have this come into the second part and just go, oh, my God, this is really, really cool on what they did. So uh, hats off to Blaylock and uh, the rest of the team for doing what they did here. Well, let's ramp the cool meter up a little bit more, Pat. Okay. Remember how we've been talking issue after issue, how they were actually slipping on their production schedule? Mm -hmm. They were off by about a month on, you know, the cover would say September, but it wouldn't come out till October, you know, and so on and so forth. Notice on this one, they got back on schedule because this one came out just two weeks after the last one. Mm -hmm. So this one also kind of has an interesting story to it, because much like the Marvel one where they're like, we just got to get something out. They were trying to catch up. Oh, and Blaylock knew that they had that silent issue coming. Uh So and he had a whole other art team working on it because it was Zek and Beatty, not his regular team. Yeah. So basically he had two art teams working at the same time. And now you can release bam, bam, two issues and you're back on schedule. So it Mm -hmm. was quite clever of him to I mean. It just worked out for yeah. <laughs> I guess it wasn't clever necessarily, but it definitely worked out to get them a back on track and B be able to homage 21 mm-hmm. at the same time. Now for my first round of high, after I added to yours there, you know what I'm going to say. Sure. It's Beatty and Zach, man. Yeah. It's Beatty and Zach, Zach and Beatty, and the I, dynamic I, duo of GI Joe art. Yeah. You know, I would love to have asked, you know, Josh, was he planning this to get these two to do this? issue you know what was his thoughts on this it was you know was he like oh i gotta get these guys to make you know have them do this issue for me the next time that i sit down with Beatty, yeah even john yeah i will get the story behind it john and i are scheduled to do a convention together in october so stay tuned and keep listening faithful gi joe chronicles fans because when i get with john i will get him to tell that story we will put it on the upcoming show Cool. And I think, you know what I was thinking, too, is this might be something that I would want to have John sign for me. John and Mike. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely bring this it to a, a special issue. Con. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Oh, yes. I will be bringing my sweet, sweet hardbound. Haven't brought that up before. Did you know my G.I. Joe comics are hardbound? I'm so fancy. You already know. I did not know that. Okay. <laughs> I'll bring that and get some. How sickness. hard are they? And how bound is it? <laughs> I'm not prepared to answer those questions. <laughs> Do man. you need some sort of a liquid to help <laughs> unbind <them>? unbind you? <laughs> you know what? We've gone off the rails. Let's TMI. So. Let's go back to Sean and for our second round of highs and lows. I'm very interested to see what other highs or if any lows he has for his second round. So, Sean, what else, man? My second high, I'm going to go with the closing sequence. So until you read your uh, summary of it was the first I heard. I didn't look at it at the script before I read it. So I didn't know that Storm Shadow and uh, Snake Eyes were brothers. Okay, uh, not literal. Oh, brothers, not, literal. Okay. not not biological, but uh, Ninja Bros. Short. Ninja Bros. 
Yeah, short so I, version after Vietnam because they served together in Vietnam. Snake Eyes' entire family died in a car wreck, and he had nobody. And so his Vietnam buddy Tommy took him back home with him to Japan, where he started to train with Tommy and his ninja clan. And then Snake Eyes became the chosen one, which made Tommy very, very mad because he's this outsider and so on and so forth. Drama. There's the short version. Okay. I don't know that. how much of that you're going to be able to apply to the upcoming movie because I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't see that that was coming. That was one coming out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that last, that whole last sequence where it looks like Storm Shadow saves the Cobra Commander, and it seems like the Cobra Commander is that a recurring theme where he needs one or maybe several bodyguards? Yeah, because he constantly seems like he's about to get his ass whooped, and then he looks scared, <laughs> and then once his bodyguard steps in, he suddenly mans he's like, up. Yeah, like in, like in the opening, once they're locked with swords, uh, Cobra Commander comes in and gets the uppercut in on a uh, Snake Eyes. So I, that was kind of a theme there. But you know, Storm Shadow saves the Cobra Commander, and it looked like it was kind of a real defensive manner. You know, the tip of his sword was down, the blade was away from Snake Eyes. And just kind of doing his job and not necessarily in a way where he's intending malice towards uh, Snake Eyes. At least that's kind of the way I interpret it. And then they sort of have that little exchange there where, you know, and I don't know if something is said between them. You said, you know, Snake Eyes can't talk, but if they're communicating in some way. But it seems like they come to some sort of agreement or understanding. And then as, as the groups are walking away, Cobra Commander, you know, reaches for his gun and it looks like he's going to try to get a shot off. And Storm Shadow, you know, sort of prevents him from doing that and i you know I'm, I'm wondering in my head is that is he doing that because he wants to protect snake eyes potentially or is he doing that because you know it's in cobra commander's best good and he needs to just keep him out of trouble so that was kind of running through my head and it made me think okay you know i wonder what goes on in the next issue you know what's going on between these two and so that was my my other highlight wow you picked up a lot of yeah. cool subtleties there and, and the great thing sean is even though pat and i are old school joe guys we don't really know either. It's Pat, I'll have you weigh in on this here in just a second as well. To me, I got the vibe that basically Snake Eyes now has some faith in Storm Shadow and Storm Shadow has some faith in Snake Eyes and they just didn't want to fight anymore. Yeah, I was taking that and that was going to be my uh, another one of my uh, my highs. I don't know high, low or just my thoughts on this one because you asked before, is Storm Shadow kind of mind controlled yet is he not snake eyes was working on it with whatever he was doing with the the hand symbol Uh there uh making sure he had eye contact with him and they were he was doing what he was doing but it helped kind of loosen storm shire for a little bit Uh enough to where uh he was able to kind of you know break himself free a little bit but yet snake eyes got clobbered on the back of the head so i think it didn't fully get him undone but maybe left uh, an impression or an imprint on him of saying hey this guy was trying to help me you know and then as they're fighting he was protecting commander but he was also kind of attacking snake eyes which as they continue on their fight you know they're they're neck and neck so these guys are like their levels are at the same level i don't think one is better than the other in my opinion because i think they're both physically at that same level Maybe Snake Eyes might have a little more control mentally than what Storm Shadow does. Goes back to the older stories of why he was maybe the chosen one than what Tommy was. But they both saw that they were equally, they weren't going anywhere. They were wrecking each other's toys and their their equipment and then just decide, okay, 
we're done. We, you know, it, it's a stalemate. We're better off. Let's cut our wounds and, and, and go. So I feel that Storm Shadow, he's coming around and maybe he's faking it. There's definitely cracks there. Yes. And we saw that before because he was able to crack his way out yep. to get here to this point. Definitely. So that was something that you could see in the story as it was developing. Again, just being a silent issue, I knew what was happening in it. It verifies that with Sean, who's never read a story before, gets thrown into this one, and there's no words to tell him what's going on, yet he got the same story I was seeing. Yeah, that's super impressive storytelling. Yes. We literally have a guy, this is his first Joe comic, and he got everything out of it that we did. Yeah. In fact, he noticed some nuance that I didn't. I missed the part where Cobra Commander took his gun out and Storm Shadow said no. I didn't notice it. I didn't well, know if he did or not. You know, I kind of brushed by that one, too. So that's pretty cool. Sean's picking it up, man. That's good stuff. For my last round of high or low, I'm actually going to do a low, but it's just kind of a nitpick. The big what moment from last issue was Cobra Commander shooting Billy. Mm-hmm. Don't know if they had this in the recap or not, Sean, but that's his own son. He shot his own son. And we were like, is he going to die? And like, they really backburdered that here. It was like, eh. Billy, and then like, oh, he's like holding his chest oh, at the yeah. end, limping away. I'm like, dude, you got shot in the chest. <laughs> like, maybe he's got something underneath there. Yeah, they may explain that a little more in the next issue, but I felt like that was the big if, <gasps> if from you last in, issue. If you look at the drawing, though, you see him shot. You see Kamakura comes in, flies down the stairs. Storm Shadow dodges him, and yada yada yada. So Snake Eyes goes after them. Kamakura is kind of taking care of Billy. And later on, when Billy comes out, you see him. He's got a bandage on him. Yeah, Kamakura's been doing his job. No yeah, doubt. so Phil dressed him or whatever he had to do to get him going. But Now you said that, I got to say this. I was so disappointed in Kamakura. First encounter with Storm Shadow at the top of the stairs, and Storm Shadow just chucks him like a piece of driftwood <laughs> that he found on the beach. I'm like, Kamakura, you've been training all this time to be chucked like a piece of wood? <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, he's that... 0 for 2 on that. Remember when he squared off on him in that other issue? Just got his yeah. butt yeah, handed to him? Yeah, he's getting his butt handed to him. I think yeah. Sean wanted to weigh in, though. Yeah, that, that caught me by surprise because that's part of that, you know, that opening sequence. When I saw him there, I, I didn't know who he was. Well, I knew he was Kamakura because I had read it, but I knew, knew nothing about the character and his degree and skill in that. And yeah, he did literally just get kind of tossed over like a piece <laughs> of wood. <laughs> it's like, what? You know, so I was like, oh, maybe this guy isn't that, you know, maybe he's kind of like, uh, you know, a, a lower level uh, Joe, but then he, he shows himself later in the issue. So I guess that's more has more to do with Storm Shadow's greatness to some extent. Just for Sean's education, he is Snake Eyes's student, but he's been his student for a couple of years now. You would think he would have, yeah. you know, something other than get chucked aside. Yeah. <laughs> it just goes to show that even Scarlet would have. Done the same thing to him, probably, too. And she would have said, no, Scarlet, you don't want any of this. I believe Scarlet would have put up more of a fight on that staircase. Exactly. <laughs> well, we needed some Scarlet action. All right, Pat, it's the time of the show where you get to just unload all your final thoughts. I don't have a lot because this was such a great issue, and I think you both have already said some of the great points about it. I don't have any real lows for it. One of the highlights, too, was... With Cobra Commander, and Sean kind of mentioned that too, is that Cobra Commander still, you know, he can be an angry guy, especially when he's got his buddies around him to help, you know, boost up his 
Yeah, he's more his of a attitude. commander, you know, yeah. than a doer. <laughs> but you could see, I mean, he was he started blasting people you know, and started doing a few things, you know. He wasn't going to go down wimpily at all. So, you know, you can still see that he has some of that nastiness in him. So I thought it was pretty cool for Commander. Another little detail, since you're not unloaded, and I'll unload one more. I like the fact that when Cobra Commander got out to the Thunder Machine, mm-hmm. Uh, who's the driver for that? Do you remember the name of that dreadnought who drives the Thunder Machine? Was it Road Pig? It's not Road Pig. Oh, it's no, the guy no. who's got the black hair and he's kind of slicker. Oh, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. So one of our listeners is screaming at the phone or the, right now. But I think his name is Thrasher. Is it Thrasher? Thrasher. Thrasher. Okay. I love the fact that when Cobra Commander runs out there, Thrasher is still unconscious. Yes. From the last issue where Kamakura knocked his noggin against the metal plating, <laughs> he is still out. Yeah. That's, I like that. Little but that, you know, detail. that's a good thing that it shows you with Kamakura is, you know what? He got up, got back doing what he needed to do, and he tracked down Commander again. That's kind of on his level. Not, you know, Commander's been around for a long time, but I think on a physical level, you know. Oh, he should be able more, to take Commander, no problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for what he lacks in being able to square off against Storm Shadow, he's 0 for 2 now. He makes up for tenacity. He has a lot of no quit, which is why you got to love Kamakura. I like the little comedy in that particular scene, too, when Kamakura is on the Thunder Machine. They're going down the road, and there's an oncoming car. You see the mom driving the car, and the kid next to her is playing with two you know, ninja figures. Yeah, that he's just concentrating on that, and she's like, "Oh, something's happening." And then she looks over and sees the thunder machine go by with Kamakura on it and all that, <laughs> while the kid's still playing with his action figure. Yeah, he's so en- engrossed in his fake ninja action, he's missing the yeah, real ninja, ninja action. action. Yep. <laughs> you know, in that very first panel, I thought that was a soggy Jimbo figure, but in the second oh, panel, yeah. it's got a little more detail, and I discovered it wasn't. So sad face. <laughs> oh. uh, Sean looked like he wanted to chime yeah, in. Yeah, you know, you know, you had mentioned Kamakura and um. On, on that page where Cobra Commander runs and gets in the uh, the vehicle and, and gets to take off, I thought that was um, kind of funny that the that bottom panel on the right where Kamakura's coming out and he gets shot at and it's kind of like he's closing the door. It's kind you know it's kind of like no I second thought I'll go with door two. You know, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> you know he's closing the door as it's getting blown up. It's getting shot at. You know he's no I, I dummy. That was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, he was quick on his feet there. It was good to see him get a little action. Although again. Just something against Storm Shadow. <laughs> the second time now he's squared off against Storm Shadow, just been wailed yeah. on immediately. <laughs> <laughs> you would think Snake Eyes would have given some other pointers, but. Yeah, still in training, I guess. Yes. All right. Any other final thoughts, Cristados? Such a great book, again, with the art. Just can't say enough about it, just how awesome it was. The inks and the colors. You know, this is one that really came together. I concur. So at this point, I'm going to hand it back to DJ Cristados for the IG's report on the combat readiness of this issue. All right. For those of you who don't speak military, that means we're going to score this issue's story on the same 1 to 10 flag points scale we used earlier. So, Sean, 1 to 10 for the story. Uh, this is my first rating of a comic book in a podcast ever, and I'm, I'm a tough grader, but I'm giving this one a 9, just in that I was completely new to this. And I was drawn in from beginning to end, you know, and, and like you'd said, I could follow the story completely. I got a good feeling, I think, at least I think for who the characters are, you know, what their abilities are and their personalities somewhat. 
you know, just great, great storytelling. Um, the art is is great. A lot of details in there, you know, some panels with really great background. And, you know, a lot of the little things, you know, I, you know, a lot of good continuity, you know, like when uh, Cobra Commander loses his firearm in the in the second page, he doesn't suddenly get it back later. He's going with an empty holster throughout the issue, you know, lots of little things like that. The kids in the arcade, there's, you know, you see them at different parts of the book. There's consistency mm-hmm. in how they're drawn, you know. It's not like, you know, they're the same kids, you know, they look the same. Even those little things, you know, which are, are just minor, you know, compared to the, you know, the just how well this story's told. And, you know, like I said, you know, at the end there, you know, I think I'm going to probably try to go pick up the next issue just because I'm, I'm kind of curious what's, what's going to happen going forward with this whole thing, you know, mm-hmm. as far as Snake Eyes and, and Storm Shadow. What's going on there? So, yeah, a nine. That was going to be my question to you is, was this a good jumping on point for you that you want to seek out some more, Joe? Yeah, yeah, it is. I'm, yeah, I am I would say I'm definitely going to pick up the next issue, probably the next couple, because I usually like to have a couple on hand to read through them. Sure. You know, a couple in a row. And just to see where the story goes, um, I did not expect to be taken in to it the way I was, you know, and, you know, in a book that's just in this case, you know, just pretty much action start mm-hmm. to finish, yeah. you know, I really enjoyed that. And, you know, that's not always the case for me with books that are action start to finish. Sometimes I kind of like some story and, you know, it's kind of the, the side plots and stuff. This didn't really have those in it. And I was still loved it. Very cool. Jared. Good news and bad news for Sean. If he decides to read, this is the end of this story arc for now. The next story arc is, a, I think, a four-parter, and it's the return of Serpentor, though. So that's pretty Serpentor. cool. A.K.A. <laughs> yeah. Serpentor. But one through ten uh, for the story, Pat, man, this is tough. It because is. Because it immediately draws comparisons to 21 from the initial run. Mm-hmm. And if I give 21 from the initial run a 10, mm-hmm. which I think any sane G.I. Joe fan would do. Have I told you my thoughts on issue 21? Uh, yeah, you were at the podcast where we all talked about it on air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. Yep. <laughs> okay, so if I compare it to Marvel's 21, which is a 10, then I would give this one a 9, just mm-hmm. like Sean did. I kind of compare it to everything that's been in this run. It starts pushing towards a 10. Mm. So if Musical Genius Joe November was here, a 9.5 would be an easy one. So I'm going to okay. do the ultimate punk move, uh-huh. and I'm going to match whatever you give it, Pat. Oh, total punk. Punk move. Whatever punk you move. decide is what I'm going to go with. So let me tell you, in my thoughts, if I gave 21 a 10, right? From the 80s? From the 80s, yeah. That would mean I would probably have to do this 21 at a 9. Sounds familiar. Yes. So then, because we don't do halfsies, you know, I'm looking at a high 9 here. <laughs> but since we don't do halfsies, I'm going to have to kind of see what Sean gave it right, and use that as our buffer. Okay. So I think that puts us at a 10. All right. Two tens and a nine then. I think that gets the the average right where this book should be. I think, I think I did the math, right? I don't know. I was (laughs) quick on the fly with that. This is an action film face off. We don't do the math for you. (laughs) In fact, nobody does, but (laughs) Laurel, is Laurel here? (laughs) Maybe we can get our uh, Romo team to do that. Yeah, yeah, Romeo yeah. Leader might could hook us up with that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm giving it a 10. I think it brings me back to that nostalgia, Phil. And like I said in the opening of this, I was so happy when I found all that out and I put it together. So it brought a lot of feels for me to this issue. You know, if I had really thought it through, though, Pat, I could have come to my 10 without your help. And I just remembered why. What was that? 
the baby bump. Yeah, that's true. I, I baby, baby bump, bump every baby book we've got. So yeah, of course I'd no. bump it to a ten. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, and and that was such a sweet surprise too when I saw that they were actually the interior artist and. Yeah, I cover. don't know that they've ever done a Joe interior together because they were the cover guys for the '80s, but I don't mm-hmm. remember them doing the interior. Now I'll be probably corrected be wrong, at some yeah. point by John, but uh, I'll I'll try to ask him that when I get the interview about this process. It's interesting when you think about it as when I was reading that, I really didn't know who was who and who was, you know, I knew Larry Hama because that's, he was the writer and, you know, his name was all over. But as far as when people were drawing it and that, I really didn't click onto that with artists and that the writers and following them from here to there until later on in my, my age here, you know, my 20s, 20, you know. Right. Stuff. When you're a kid, you're just consuming stories. Yeah. You don't yeah. care about it. was more all about the scores. Yeah. So it's really cool to see stuff like this happen and, you know, getting those creators some followage. Very cool. All right. Well, now it's time to award this episode's Silver Star Medal or Silver Snake for gallantry or sneaky snakiness in action. This is where we each get to award the character in the issue who went above and beyond or below and sneaky in the call of duty here. So, Sean, who will you uh, give a silver star or a silver snake to? I'm giving a silver star to Kamakura just from the way for, for the way he basically tracks down and kind of captures uh, Cobra Commander. You know, as I had mentioned earlier, you know, he uh, nearly gets his head blown off and he trying mm-hmm. to go through the door. He's tenacious. He chases down the vehicle, jumps on top, has a nice about a two-page ride on it, and finally forces the crash. And, you know, so that's sort of how they, they run down Cobra Commander. So that's that's what I'm giving my Silver Star to. That's a good choice. Very good choice. Jared. Hey, yeah, I was torn between the obvious answer of Snake Eyes mm-hmm. or the tenacity of Kamakura. Since Sean highlighted that, I will Silver Star the obvious choice of Snake Eyes. You know, no quit in him either. Great mm-hmm. fighting, doing everything he could to save his brother. No one wanted to walk away. Snake yep. Eyes. Definitely. Uh, another good choice there, too. So, when am I going to choose, you might ask? Billy. Oh? For Billy, not dying after he got Billy. shot in the chest. <laughs> Billy for not being a hero? No. Uh, <laughs> going back to issue 21 of the Marvel run, I myself would have chose Snake Eyes from that. So hearing you choose Snake Eyes for this issue of 21, I'm going to choose Storm Shadow. I love it. And I'm choosing him because you've already chose Snake Eyes, but I think this was a good Storm Shadow issue as well. Just with that back and forth of, I got to protect this guy, but I also don't want to hurt this guy as well either, you know, because we're equal and we're equally matched mm-hmm. to see that way. So I'm, I'm giving it to... Storm Shadow, just because the way he had to play in it here. So Silver Star and a Silver Snake. So if I could meld it together, that's what he would get. The Silver Steak. Steak, yep. <laughs> mm, that sounds Snar. good. Well done. Okay. Snar, yeah, Steak. A... Yeah, let's go yep. Steak. <laughs> okay, now that we've got the Silver Star or the Silver Snake medal given out, let's go ahead and go to Jarrett for his segment of Death Probe's Toy Chest. It's here, the G.I. Joe collection, each sold separately. G.I. Joe from Hasbro. All right, welcome back to Death Probe's Toy Chest. In this segment, I'll give you something or someone 
featured in this issue and give you a brief toy history on it. And for this issue, I have selected 21 episodes into the run. I held out this long, Pat. Mm. It's Snake Eyes. Oh, wow. That, that is amazing. I was just thinking about it when I seen it. I'm like, did we do one already? Interesting question. He's Pat, been talked <laughs> about how many versions of him. But It's an interesting question. Because if you look, peek behind the curtain, folks at home, if you look at the very bottom of our script, you'll see a bunch of names. Because I couldn't remember if I'd done Snake Eyes before either. And I went back and listened to every Death Probe's toy chest from all the other episodes and wrote down the names of uh, who was featured. Because I'm like, smart. I'm getting to the point where I can't remember who it was anymore. And we had not covered Snake Eyes. So let's get into it. Snake Eyes' file name is Pat. Snake Eyes. Classified. 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 I don't know. I don't know it. His grade is E5. His birthplace is Pat. Classified. Correct. <laughs> Here's a funny one on his original file card, which is I always talk about the original toy when we do these Death Probes toy chest. His original primary specialty was infantry. Just infantry. That's interesting, I think. His secondary specialty was hand-to-hand combat instructor. Remember, he was a commando. That was what his first card said. He's a commando, infantry, and hand-to-hand combat. They didn't really play up the ninja stuff. In fact, let me go on. I can add some clarity to that by going into the description. He's a head-to-toe, black tactical gear, ninja suit kind of guy. His accessories were, pay attention to this, Pat, submachine gun, he had an Uzi, Mm -hmm. and an explosives pack. Yep. Yep. What didn't he have? (laughs) He did have a man's purse. He had no swords. No swords. satchel. No, no sword, no grenades, no no knife, no ninja stars. Yep. Nope. He was very much more of a commando than a ninja in his first. In the first, yep. I find that to be interesting. I think that really changed once Larry got a hold of the character, you know, and started moving that way in the comics, and then the toys started catching up. But mm-hmm. interesting fact, no swords. All right. And here's a brief history, and I do mean brief. He was first released in the original 1982 run. And as of this recording, there are 68 versions of Snake Eyes available. I think on a couple of shows, we said 70 or darn near 70. It's 68, 69, if you count the figure that was released that was just called Classified. Mm -hmm. And that was Snake Eyes in Vietnam. It was before he became Snake Eyes. And and that's where I want to say that's where I think they would pull his primary specialty from because he was infantry there Mm -hmm. in Vietnam. Vietnam soldier. Sure. He was just uh, an infantry Yeah, He was not yet a ninja. Nope. At that point. Yep. And also, he didn't have a dog in this one. That's right. Timber would not be added until version two of Snake Eyes. Yes. So the question is, Sean, we already know the answer. He's had to sit and listen to us get all giddy again. Uh, I always asked, did you own the figure? Sean, I bet you did not own a Snake Eyes figure. I did not. I had the, I had the, the 12-inch Eagle Eye G.I. Joe, but not, <laughs> not Snake Eyes. No, Snake Eyes looks a lot cooler. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you count... The 12-inch and the Sigma-6 and the more modern declassifieds, there are actually more than 70. These are just the three and three-quarter. When I give that number of 68, 69, if you count classified, that's just three and three-quarter. So they did make some 12-inch later on, and they did make, you know, Sigma-6. And anyway, Pat knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) Just a quick question. So is that typical for these action figures that came out? in the in the 80s and kind of have managed to live on to have upwards of 40 50 different versions of them ah good question sean snake eyes is the most popular character so he has the most versions almost 70 it really depends on popularity like we've talked about the big ones are snake eyes storm shadow cobra commander and duke i think are the big four most popular ones 
Oh, and yeah, we're talking 40 to 70. As your popularity goes down, you get fewer <laughs> versions made. So like Psych Out, I think there's like one version of Psych Out. But it really depends on popularity. But they do tend to re-release and update and give new outfits to characters over and over. And depending on your popularity, mm-hmm. depends on how many you get. So with that, the new movie coming out, will they have new figures with that? Are these still like with the... You know, you would the think. young kids, are they still buying these? <laughs> well, that's a great question, Sean, because you would think they would yeah. do a Snake Eyes three and three quarter line because they did release new three and three quarter figures for the other movies, the more recent ones from the last few years. So it would make sense. I don't know if they're going to or not. I don't I know. Yeah, if you've I seen haven't that. heard or seen much on the on the movie figures. side of it. I've been trying not to. Yeah, it figures. <laughs> it figures. <laughs> but I, I haven't really. You know, I'm trying to not get over into it too much just so I can be, you know, surprised. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and the second know. part of his question was interesting to me too, Pat, because he said, you know, is this going to be out there for the kids? And the more I think of it, I think most of the people buying G.I. Joe figures at Walmart and Target are us. Yeah. Our age. No, no kidding. For a three and three quarter right now for the retro line that they're redoing mm-hmm. right now. So I don't if that's counting the retro line. They've just I don't think it released. did because I, I noticed that it was not in there. So, so getting there's those. figure number seventy. Yep. I haven't even laid eyes yeah. on them. I've not I've seen sure a about, few. Yeah. Not in sure my Walmart. My I've seen nope. a few. I haven't seen a one. What do they run? Ten bucks? Probably. Yeah, around there. <laughs> yeah. Vehicles are like twenty. It's like holy cow. That's and the figures are like three dollars when I was a kid. <laughs> I know. It was like <laughs> I don't know three ninety five, three dollars, three twenty five. You know. Yeah. Anyway, days gone by. Pat, I never did get to ask you. Did you have an original Snake Eyes? I did. I got still, flimsy still on me. Have mine. You know, I got the O-ring <laughs> issue. Oh, I've got replacement O-rings, and I, yeah. if you've ever done that. I have not replaced it. I've taken them apart, but I've never. I, yeah, I ordered a big bag of like a thousand O-rings, O-rings because, you know, I find them at yard sales, and I yeah. repair them up. Putting a fresh O-ring in it does a lot for a Joe. Really mm-hmm. tightens it back up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still have my original. Cool. Before I even had the swivel arm. Stiff arm, oh, snake eyes. stiff arm snake eyes. Stiff arm. <laughs> I think I have stiff arm and so I think I have almost every version, unless it was some weird I one and two. Oh, those are the good version ones. One those are the two, best yeah. ones. I think two is probably the best one because it yeah, came with timber. It's cool. Yeah. Anyway, I know uh, Sean loves listening. <laughs> <all>. <laughs> I'll give it back to you, Pat. We'll move on. All right. Well, up next is our feedback segment called Combat Comms. And as always, we want to start off Combat Comms with a roster of our Battle Hardened Crusader Club veterans. These are the fine folks that have joined our Crusaders Club. They enjoy early access to special long box video episodes, free raffle giveaways, voting on show programming, and so much more, like being on a show. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. Helica Wolf, Alburn Elvis, Bill Beer, Blast It or Stash It, Braxton Underwood, Clinton Robinson, Dave Collins, Codename Battlewagon, Battlewagon, Gary V, Gerald Green, Jeremy L, Jim Jarman, Joe Thomas, John Watson, Jose Puyo, Josh Strickland, Kathy Bright, Monstrous Mark Hatherly, Maxwell Traver, Michael Wagner. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick of Jeff and Rick Present. 
Rob Morgan, Ross Michaud, Ryan Daly, Samantha Maney. Ooh, and I get this one. Sean Urbanski. Hey. Hey. Well done. I think I know that guy. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Toronto Cap. Brad Morin. Awesome. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're recent edition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you and send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it all straightened out. So you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? It's simple, Pat. It is? What do I have to do? You just head over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. Is it as easy as just for $1 a month? Yes. For as what will as I get? Oh, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. You should come check it out. I think I will. <laughs> that was impromptu acting, everyone. <laughs> That's good. Now, let's see what messages from our platoon of loyal listeners we have waiting for us on Breaker's ComSat. Communications officer, code name Breaker. These are from episode 19, where we featured issue number 19. Coincidence? I think not. The Cabal issue number two. With special guest, Michael Ice Panther Wagner. I will start with a com we got from Green Lantern HG who says, Well, this is a hell of an issue and an episode and such a fantastic guest. Michael, I hope you grace us with your voice again. We could probably arrange that. And Jared, I love those toy segments. Makes me wish I had the hiss. Nothing left for me to say, but great episode, guys. Hashtag YoJo. Thanks, GLHG. I'm glad you did the toy parts, too. It's my favorite part. <laughs> I love what? the toys more than anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they are cool. They are co- Man, if I could have them like you did, man. Still have them. I still have them. <laughs> Except for the RAM. I can't find that anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. I wonder why. Yeah. I know where there's a bunch of them. And talk to Bravo team. <laughs> Let's go ahead and take our next one from G.I. Gary. And Gary says, heck yeah. Nice and easy. And from Michael Wagner, Yo Joe. Yo Joe. Yo Joe his own episode, which I think is particularly awesome. <laughs> <laughs> With the Flint. Heck yeah. yeah. He's a big Flint fan. We learned that. Yep. Awesome. Well, that's going to bring us to Mr. Complete Status for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Do Years. If you want to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, vintage TV, movie serials, and more, check out the entire Longbox Crusade Network. DJ Cristados, in case they're not subscribed to the entire network and they're just subscribed to G.I. Joe Chronicles, where could they find the Longbox Crusade Network? Well, Jared, I am glad you asked. You can find the Longbox Crusade Network on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers, or go to www.longboxcrusade.com. We are also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Longbox Crusade. Back to you, Jared. Pop quiz that you didn't see coming. If they did subscribe to Just G.I. Joe Chronicles, mm-hmm. yes or no, would they find the following things on the entire Longbox Crusade Network? Transformers. Yes. Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Batman. Yes. Star Wars. Here and there. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> on Crusader Chronicles. Daffy Duck Comics. Yes, on Crusader Chronicles. <laughs> Fan films. Yes. Movies talked about more than monthly, even though they say they're monthly. Why, George? Yes. <laughs> what about Flash Gordon? You'll find that there on Saturday Matinee Theater. Ever talk about James Bond? Oh, why, yes, we do, Jared. And we talked to James Bond on On Her Majesty's Secret podcast. That's over on the White Rocket Entertainment Network or by its own feed itself. 
Or you can also hear it on the Longbox Crusade as we are replaying those episodes that we did. Mm-hmm. You got answers for everything, don't you? Yes. Hostess but cream pies. Classified. No. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> well done, Pat. And we also have two action films that face off. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that show, and I'm on it. Woo. All right. Well done, Pat. Hey, if you'd like to chat with us online, we can be found at... Pat, where can they find you? Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Where can they find you, Jared? I am at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I might also be at your local Mongolian barbecue restaurant. Let's go to Mr. Sean Urbanski, codename Sooner, which we didn't use once during this whole episode. Oh, you got it in now. (laughs) (laughs) So, hey, you know what they say, sooner than later. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was a setup. Uh, Even I got it in now. (laughs) Oh, boy, I really did put that on the T for you. All right, Sean, if people want to talk to you a bit more about your first G.I. Joe experience or any other cool stuff you have to say, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Sean Urbanski, one word. It's worth a follow, too, folks. Sean's a good dude. Thank you so much, Sean, for all the support you've given us here at the Long Box Crusade. Really do appreciate it. Yes, very much. Sean's been a supporter for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's really cool to record with him, and thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. It was a lot of fun. It was great to see the uh, see how the magic happens, so to say, you know? <laughs> see, he's got that look of disappointment. We call it sausage here. <laughs> how the sausage is made. He's got that look of disappointment. Is that? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, well, I won't be doing this again. Uh, right. And if you want to interact with us with live chat, be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles. Join us for our next episode of Doing It Live Stream on YouTube. They are the second Sunday of every month. Unless it falls on a holiday, we'll bump it a week. We always start at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can get signed up for that by going to look up Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel and click the bell. You get reminder notifications for when we go live. And I just want to say that is such a fun time to interact with folks in the chat on the live stream. So if you ever just want to ask us questions, just get in the mix. It's a great place to do that. We've got a really good chat community. And even just they chatting within themselves in the chat community as well, too. There's so many good conversations and just friendliness yep. happening in there. Yep. It's amazing. It's a good time. So thanks for joining us for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. We will see you on the battlefield next episode where we will cover issue 22, The Last Stand, part one of four. I believe I'm going to be missing an action for that episode. So Wait, we could you look. got furlough? I got furloughed. You got it approved? Yep. Who approved it? Uh, Romeo team leader. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe the Bravo team leader will be here in my stead. Yes. So you will not be short on Albrick. You will have your Albrick quota Ooh. met. So until then, platoon, fall out. Yo, Yo Joe. Joe. Did I mess nice. it up? Will you do that again? <laughs> we like a best <laughs> In fact, the last thing that's going to be said on this episode is that I messed that up, you want to do it again, and then the outro music is going to play. The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at Joseflin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it.